to you from the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am super jazzed and excited to have someone, basically someone that I've looked up to. Uh, in fact, this whole company, his name is Benton Crane, and he's the CEO of the Harmon Brothers. Now, you may be like, Harmon Brothers? Who's that? That doesn't sound like a Lash company. It's not. They are an advertising or marketing company, and they make the best ads on what you've seen on YouTube and Instagram. The commercials like Purple, Squatty Potty, Poopery, and more. They are absolutely brilliant, guys. They've done over 20 groundbreaking digital campaigns, over 1.4 billion views. Yes, that's billions of views, guys. Over $400 million in sales. They are really quite unique, and they... Decided to come on our podcast, by the way, or they, it's, it's Benton. It's one guy. There's a whole team of them. I saw him at a conference this last December and I reached out to him and asked if he would come and be a guest on our show. And surprise, surprise, he said yes. And I was super jazzed because I really think that they understand marketing better than anyone. They understand messaging as good as anyone I've ever seen on the internet. And he's going to share some of his tips, guys. He's going to talk about how you, you should set your business apart. Um, we're going to talk about paying attention to small details in your business, messaging mistakes, being authentic with, to your audience, and all this, guys. It's a great episode, and you're going to learn a lot from it, and I can't wait for you to hear. But before we do, as always, we have a few announcements, so let's just get into that real quick. We have our review you giveaway what we're doing if you just write a review and put it on an apple podcast screenshot and email it to paul at lashcastpodcast.com we will enter you into a drawing for a 200 amazon gift card so go do that today also if you want to be part of the coolest club in the world it's called the Lashcast insider club why is it so cool well you get all the inside scoops from us on anything that we're doing discount codes heads up on our Lashcon, and so forth so go to the show notes you'll see the link there or go to instagram and you'll see a link in our instagram LashCon tickets soon, guys. They are coming very soon, just a couple weeks away. And by the way, Benton Crane is going to be one of our keynote speakers at LashCon. So if you get you get a little sneak peek today of what he's going to be, well, he'll talk about something different, but you're going to get a little sneak peek, and I can't wait for you to see him in November at LashCon. It's going to be amazing. And lastly, we want to hear your story. So right now, I know some of you are thinking, I don't have any story. Yes, you do. All of you have a story. All of you have something to say. It's just a matter of you sitting down, taking the time to write it down, what it is you want to say, and then submit it to me at paul at lashcastpodcast.com. And then if we like your story or maybe there's a topic you want to talk about that no one's talked about, or maybe it's something that everyone talks about, but you have a different spin on it. Maybe we'll put you on the show. You never know. There's some people that I've gotten to meet over the last year that I would have never met before, but they reached out and said, hey, I got this idea. Would you like to have me on the show? I'm like, that's a cool one. Let's have you on. So don't feel like just because, well, I'm nobody or I've never been. No, no, no. That doesn't matter, guys. You have something. You're important. Your story matters. So you just need to submit it. And I can't promise to get everyone on because then I'd have to do a podcast a day and I have a few other things to do. But we're trying our best to get as many of you on to share your insights or your story with our industry. Okay, guys, that's all the announcements I have for you today. Now let's get into our session where Tusty and I sit down and talk to Benton Crane about marketing and messaging. Hey guys, Paul here in the Lashcast Studios. Excited to be here with my wife, Tusney. Hey Welcome guys. to the show. And we also have Benton Crane in the booth from Harmon Brothers. Welcome to our show, Benton. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. 
Yeah, we are really excited. I am a huge fan of your company. Pretty much anything that you guys do, I always want to see and watch. And I know, like, if I see an ad online, always. I grab her and say, it's like a movie <laughs> premiere. We're like, let's just sit down, let's watch the latest commercial from the Harmon Brothers. So it's always really a pleasure. In fact, we bought the purple bed because of you guys, and we're just kind of like Harmon Brothers nerds. Fans. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I'm, it's, having you here is exciting. Thank you. That's very flattering. And I'm glad we could make your wallet lighter for you in some way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially after this last year, right? Just finding something funny to laugh and watch has been off, helping to offset all the, it seems like the misery, in the, especially the art industry. I don't know if you know, but in California, especially the beauty industry has been like shut down for eight months where people were not allowed to work or anything. So it's been uh, finding fun things on the internet. Good commercials is always a, a breath of fresh air. That's brutal, both for the people who give the services and the people who want the services. Yes. They're uh there are a lot of people not feeling their most beautiful right now, I would imagine. Yeah, it's been a dark time for beauty. So. Well, you made a joke about, you know, your wallet feeling lighter. And the funny thing is that they didn't even cross our mind because we were so happy with our purchases. And that's like the cool thing about marketing. It's like when you're really happy with your purchases, you're just like, whatever it costs, it doesn't matter. Yeah, price is never really <laughs> the issue. So oftentimes people think that great marketing is the silver bullet to, you know, a, a, a huge business success or whatever. But the reality is that you actually need a great product that provides great value. It provides a great solution to people who are looking for it. And then when you combine that with great marketing, that's the silver that's bullet the that, that provides the perfect storm. Yep. I think I've never seen that on your website or one of your, uh, your the university where you said one of the things that you're looking for first is like a great product. I do think a lot of people think that, well, I just wish I was a great marketer and I could sleep for again. But mm -hmm. they don't forget that really you need to work on your service or your product and raise that up to a level that's worth sharing with other people. And then obviously the biggest fans are those who will do word of mouth advertising for you. That's free. <laughs> I imagine the exact same principle applies in the lash industry, right? Where a new lash artist who is still developing the skills, there's a lot of art involved with what y'all do. And so someone who's still developing, if they're coming and asking the question like, well, how do I market? How do I blow this thing up? And how do I tell the world about it? They're kind of getting out in front of themselves a little bit because you've got to start with the great product and the great service nail that and then you can really think about okay how do i market this and expand it yeah you're absolutely right on that i always tell people when you first get going just focus on your craft learn your craft become great at that and i know in our industry one of the temptations people have is they get told as soon as you learn your skill like you're just a new artist get out there start market start doing instagram start doing all this stuff get your ton of clients and I always think that they're probably losing more clients than they're gaining just because maybe they are good at Instagram. Maybe they're good at marketing, but unfortunately those clients are going to return because their skill set is just not there yet. So I think that's good for people to remember because we have a lot of new lash artists here and they're probably thinking and hoping, listen to this episode, like, okay, I'm going to now up my marketing game and maybe you do need to do that, but don't forget the skill set. That's number mm -hmm. one. So before starters, I thought we could just start out a little bit about you, your background, who you are, so people know, and a little bit about Harmon Brothers and where your place in this world is. Yeah, sure. We're the ad agency behind Squatty Potty, Purple, Chatbooks, Poopery, Lumi Deodorant, probably a dozen others. Um, those are the ones that just roll off my tongue. So yeah, a lot of people know us as the king of viral videos. It's kind of ironic because... Most of those aren't actually viral. People think that they're viral, but the truth is that when something goes viral, that lasts for like a day, maybe a week, and you get this big spike in traffic and it's really exciting for a minute. But then when that virality kind of wears off and it dies down, then it's like, okay, now what? 
And so from, you know, a business perspective where you're trying to sustainably grow a business over time, virality actually isn't that helpful of a tool Hmm. and nor is it predictable. And so instead we always say, all right, we have to make these ads so good that they don't need to be viral. And usually what that means is if we can compellingly tell a story that says, okay, here's this problem that you're facing. Look at this amazing solution. And now we'll build some credibility around it and overcome concerns. And the whole entire time we're entertaining you so that you're not looking at your watch or scrolling past or whatever. Instead, you're engaged, you're learning, you're having fun, you're smiling. If we can accomplish that, then it doesn't need to go viral because the business has the ability to say, okay, I'll buy some ads behind this. I'll put, let's call it $100 in ads. And now I know that $200 in revenue is going to come back as a result. And so then I can rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And for many of these businesses, they scale that up into the millions and tens of millions of dollars. And so, yeah, that's who we are. That's how people think about us. But it's actually not so much about virality. That's interesting because I think a lot of people, I think that's their dream. Like, I'm going to create that YouTube video. I'm going to create that clip on Instagram or that reel, whatever. And everyone's going to want to watch it. And then I'm set. Like they almost feel like once they achieve that status, that somehow that's all they need to do. But obviously it sounds like you guys have done this enough. They realize that virality maybe is great for that first bump. Like people go, oh, you exist. But it doesn't mean they're going to come back and buy or anything like that just because they laugh one time with you. Yeah, it's interesting because I think we've been lucky enough to have maybe three of our campaigns go viral. I think it's about three. I think it was like Squatty Potty poopery and chat books. Well, I guess fiber fix went, went viral there for a minute as well. But the interesting thing is that's not predictable. There's no recipe for virality. Like by nature, virality is actually random. And anyone who tells you, oh yeah, here's the recipe virality. And if you do A, B, C, and D, you're going to go viral. Don't believe them. It's not true. If there was a recipe, everyone would do it. Mm. And, and then the recipe wouldn't work anymore. (laughs) So there's a lot of luck involved with going viral. And when it happens, you know, everybody gives each other high fives and it's exciting and, you know, everyone's smiling and you have a fun time with it, but genuinely it only lasts for a day or a week or whatever. And it's really fun during that time, but then it just kind of fades out. So don't focus on being the next viral hit. Like it's just a waste of time and energy and it's going to be a lot of stress and maybe you'll be the one in 10,000 or whatever that gets lucky enough to go viral, but more likely you probably won't. And so instead focus on the things that matter, focus on how do I tell a compelling story? How do I tell it in an engaging way that entertains people and helps put a smile on their face? Mm. How do I help them forget about the troubles of their day? How do I communicate the value that I can bring into their life. You know, those are the type of questions that, that we as entrepreneurs need to be thinking about as we're, you know, working on our, our video content and on our, on our ads and those type of things. I love the way you say it. You just break it down so easily. Some of the things, and I know our listeners have seen your ads. I mean, especially yeah. like with the squatty potty and the, it's the unicorn and it's pooping, <laughs> pooping out of like mm-hmm. ice cream cone. But you really are so great at specifically explaining what the problem is. Like, how would you, we watched Shark Tank and we watched that pitch. So when we saw the actual, I wanted to say cartoon, right? But it was, it's an ad, right? It wasn't a cartoon, (laughs) Uh but because that's the impression that it made on us. It showed exactly what the problem was and it did it in such a fun way. And then like the eggs with the, with the purple 
Mm-hmm. It's like you're really skilled at saying this is what the problem is and visually showing it and really making you memorable and making it laugh about it, you yeah. know? So maybe real quick, you could share kind of a breakdown of a message. If you're trying to communicate an idea to people, what are the important components that need to be there to communicate that message? Like you said, is it just like you said, solve the problem or figure out the problem? I think I remember reading somewhere, you have, how is the product the solution to your problem? You know, how do you, what type of things do you go through benchmarks to go, this will make a good um, ad? Obviously being funny is important, but I think maybe knowing what the nuts and bolts are in there would be great. Yeah. The- that's a great question. Let me let me attack that from two different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first one, I'll just tell a couple of backstories about you know uh, poopery and squatty potty, for instance, because that will kind of illustrate some principles. But then I'll talk specifically about the lash industry and maybe um, some of the things that a lash artist could specifically be thinking about for their content. Mm-hmm. So, Tustin, I like that you pointed out that squatty potty felt like a cartoon. It yeah. wasn't a cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. It had, you know, live actors. Yeah. And the unicorn was actually this animatronic puppet <laughs> that had remote controlled eyes. And there was actually a puppeteer's arm controlling the mouth and, so cool. and, and the head. But it, it felt very cartoon-esque. Yes. That was actually by design. Because we learned, um, so about a year and a half before that Squatty Potty ad, we had done the Poopery ad. Mm-hmm. And, and. It was interesting because when Poopery came to us, they had already developed a great product and they already had a lot of customers who loved the product, but their customers would not talk about it because it was mm. so embarrassing. Yeah. Exactly. And so the people who, who were already customers, they would hide the product in their purse or when they had a bottle in the bathroom, they would hide it in the cabinets yeah. so that they didn't want anyone else to see about it because they sure didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> and so as we went into that, we were like, okay, it's already a great product. It already works. It's already doing wonderful things for people and improving people's lives. How do we just get people to talk about it? Yeah. So the theory that we came up with was if we can take the last person on earth who you would ever expect to talk about poo stink, and if we can make it safe for her, then theoretically it should be safe for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So that's why we built this character of this very aristocratic, almost elegant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's this elegant British woman who you would kind of expect to see at like an aristocratic tea party or something like that. And then we take her out of that world and plop her down on a toilet and have her tell these obnoxious hoosting <laughs> jokes. And all of a sudden, because it's safe for her and because it's okay for her, now all of a sudden it's okay for you and me. And so next thing you know, it becomes this super popular white elephant gift. People are now displaying it right on the back of the toilet because they want to talk about it because it's funny. People are telling each other about it over the dinner table, right? We made it safe. Totally. It's one of the things actually that lash artists actually stock. They put it in the bathroom so that when their customers use it, it's just like it's prominently displayed there. Some people sell it even. Yeah. We had in our salon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a genuinely good product that, you know, <laughs> it's making people's lives better. <laughs> yes. in, For in sure. Ways. So fast forward about a year and a half to Squatty Potty. When they originally came to us, initially we weren't that interested in doing that campaign because we just did poo stink yeah and that was freaking hard but now 
with Squatty Potty, like we're supposed to talk about the biomechanics of how poop actually happens. <laughs> That's like a million times more disgusting than the stench. Yeah. And, and so initially we're like, ah, I don't think we want to take this one on. But my partner, Jeff Harmon, he had this epiphany where he was asking himself that same question. He's like, how do we make it safe? How do we get people to actually talk about it? Because same thing, they had customers who loved the product. It was changing people's lives, but the majority of them were so embarrassed by it. The main demographic was like 50 plus women who were suffering from constipation and other types of problems with their bowels. And so they would get the product and they would hide it in the master bathroom where, you know, they would never send any guests back there because they didn't want anyone to see that. They didn't want to talk about it. So it's very similar to to what Pooperia dealt with. And so Jeff was sitting there saying, how could we make this safe? And he actually asked himself the question, what is the furthest thing on earth from poop? Like you have something that's just like stinky and gross and you don't want anything to do with it. And his mind went to ice cream where it was like, that's, (laughs) it's beautiful. It's delicious. It's desirable. It's tasty. Yeah. Everybody wants ice cream. And so he had this epiphany where he's like, well, what if we used ice cream as a metaphor for poop? And then that sent us on this journey that, you know, we started asking questions like, okay, well, where does the ice cream need to come from? And as we started exploring, (laughs) you know, different animals and stuff, we quickly realized that if you get anywhere near reality, Mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it becomes gross again. Yeah, You can't use anything that comes even close to reality, a real animal, anything like that. And so we had to go to a unicorn. And then even once we had the unicorn, we were asking ourselves like, okay, where does the unicorn go? And like some of our initial ideas, looking back now, they were terrible, but that's how you know good yeah, ideas how, always yeah. start terrible. But we had this one idea where we sketched out this unicorn that was like the size of a Clydesdale horse. It was like this full-size <laughs> unicorn horse. And it's on the back of a food truck on a, <laughs> on a corner in New York City. Uh, and we had this vision of like, you know, it's this ice cream machine that you pull the lever and ice cream comes out of its butt. And then you're oh, passing no. it out to people on the streets mm-hmm. of, of New York City. But once again, it was too close to reality. And it just took <laughs> you to this place where it was like, oh, that's terrible. So then kind of the next natural progression was, okay, we know it's a unicorn. We know it's ice cream. And then that's where the medieval prince and this fairy tale land came in because everything that you see, we want to make sure it's taking you out of reality. Mm. And so when you say it felt cartoon-esque, that actually puts a smile on my face because that's good. It's far from reality. From reality. So when you watch that, everything your eyes see is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sparkly, rainbow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Googly but eyes. So much of what your ears hear is terrible. (laughs) We're covering really difficult stuff. So yeah, those particular campaigns, we were really trying to address how do you tackle this really taboo subject in a way that makes it safe for people? And that was the approach that we took. And of course, history has proven that that it was wildly successful. And even the squatty potty, it's not uncommon for, you know, college kids to have one in their dorm or whatever, Mm -hmm. because no one's afraid to talk about it anymore. Right. That's the magic. Of well, I it. think it's the magic of humor, right? You do something that's funny. You can talk about something totally inappropriate and you win people over. You get real all that fear because, well, crap, they're talking about this thing in such a funny way. It, it makes it conversational now. And you also have a metaphor you can always bounce back to if you need to, I guess. <laughs> like going, yeah. You'll have to talk about the real thing. Yeah. Humor is a powerful tool. You know, it can disarm people. If you're talking about a really polarizing or a subject that has a lot of conflict baked into it, you use humor, it can really diffuse a lot of that. 
Yeah. You know, we talked about the taboo subjects of squatty potty and poopery. It can really make those safe. And of course, it's the most shareable content that there is, right? Think about the things that you share. Sometimes you share something controversial, but when you do that, you usually have to kind of think twice, like, yeah. do I really want to be that guy? <laughs> Sometimes you share something fear-based because you want to protect your circle. And so you hear this fearful message and you want to make sure that others know about it. So you share that. But once again, you're kind of like, do I really want to be that guy? Because it's kind of a weight on people. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to humor, you don't even have to think twice about it. Yeah. It's like, who wouldn't want to put a smile on my friends' faces? Exactly. I'm sure almost everyone's seen your guys' ads at some point, even if they didn't know it was the Harmon Brothers behind it. They're probably going to say, well, I'm not really that funny. I just show my pictures of my lashes or my clients. So I, I, I do pretty work. I do pretty work. But man, I don't know about that pressure of now trying to perform or be funny. Is there anything that you could give advice? Like maybe is there a mindset that need to change or maybe not worry about being funny? Because I know that could be a cop out why some people don't do things. They're always looking for why they shouldn't do something. And one of them might be, well, I'm not funny, so I won't do it. Let me take that question and shift gears a little bit. Let's shift away from the humor for a second. And instead, let's dig down to the core of what the messaging for a lash artist needs to be about. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't get my lashes done, but I go see the barber on a monthly basis. Yeah. I get my beard trimmed. I get my hair cut. So I would give a similar type of advice to a barber that I'm about to give to a lash artist. So many of the lash artists probably think that their skill in being a great lash artist is the number one thing that they need to communicate. Mm -hmm. But let me flip that for just a second. And I would argue that that's just like this minimum baseline of you just have to communicate enough about your artistry and about your skill level that people just go, oh yeah, she's good. She knows what she's doing. She can make people look beautiful. That's just like this minimum level. But the things that really need to be communicated on top of that are more subtle and more emotional. So if you can communicate, how do I make my clients feel while they're here? For example, some clients probably like to show up and go into a deep relaxation and and not talk. And so if that's your jam, then how do you communicate how you provide that for your clients? And what, what are the ways that you go above and beyond to pamper them, to make them feel comfortable? What is the ambiance? What is the environment? How do you go the extra mile to just really put them into a deep relaxation or whatever it is? Mm. For other clients, what's important to them might be to show up and have a great conversation. Maybe your client's a stay-at-home mom who is spending her days with a bunch of toddlers running around the house. And she's like, I just want to talk to an adult. (laughs) And so when she comes to visit the lash artist, she wants to have a meaningful conversation. And in that case, how can you communicate that you're a great conversationalist and that you can make her feel heard and that you can engage her in a meaningful, deep conversation? These are the things that, that need to get layered on top of this minimum threshold of like, yeah, you've got to be good, but it's these things that you layer on top that are really going to set you apart and tell a story that actually gets your clients to engage. So let me give you an example of this. Where I live, there's kind of this almost resurgence of, I'm going to call them hipster barbers, Yes, where they've kind of like embraced this, this old school vibe where they're kind of trying to take the vibe back to the early 1900s or whatever. With tattoos and mustaches and all yeah. that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. The block prints. Yeah. So I've tried out several of the barbers in town. I've gone around to them and I've found that the vast majority of them 
for whatever reason, I don't understand why, but they don't offer a hair wash. So you go in, they'll cut your hair, they'll lay you back, they'll give you a great shave. You know, it, it all feels fantastic and everything. But for whatever reason, they don't shampoo your hair. And so then you walk out and you have these like tiny little mm. flecks of hair that are falling down your shirt and itching and that sort of stuff. Drives me crazy. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I can go to a more traditional salon that's not like the hipster barbers, but most of them are more feminine focused from my experience. Yeah. And they do a phenomenal job with the wash. Like they go in, they pamper me, lay me back, give me a great wash, you know, massage my scalp, all that stuff. It feels fantastic. But then they're terrible on the beard trim. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, why do I have to choose between these great services? Why can't anyone offer this great service? And there was one barber shop that's actually in a town just south of here that they're kind of that more hipster style vibe, but it's ran by women instead of a bunch of men with, with tattoos and the, the curly mustache. So I guess they've taken some of the things that they learned in a more feminine salon setting and applied them to barbering. And so I found out about this barber shop that does it all. They offer the wash, they offer the, the beard trim, the straight razor shave, all of that stuff. So I'm like, perfect. It nails what I need. And so going back to that example of the lash artist, it's like, yeah, it's one thing to know they can give me a good haircut and a good beard trim, but I want to know about those additional things on top because those are what set people apart for me. Yeah. That whole process that you just kind of walked us through, it's like it would take an artist to be kind of self-aware, to like be thinking a little bit outside the box of what the customer needs. I mean, most lash artists are just going to replicate either what they've already seen or, you know, what they, you know, went to school for and just like, okay, that's the way it was done. This is the way I'm going to. How would you encourage people to kind of get outside of that? Like what your process was? To find maybe what is unique about them, that what makes them special, kind of like the unique selling proposition or point. Like just being a good lash artist, like you said, isn't enough. There needs to be more nuance. There needs to be more details. Like I guess where would they look for that or the inventory of their yeah, I guess is there or, a process when you're working with clients? Is there something that you take them through like to help identify what those are or what the needs are for the clients? That's a great question. So I'm going to brainstorm with this, but let's keep in mind that I know nothing about lash artistry <laughs> and I know nothing about the industry. So sometimes that can be super helpful to actually have somebody come in with a fresh outside, perspective. Yeah. Yes. So I'll brainstorm a little bit with that and yeah. hopefully it's helpful. But take everything I say with a grain of salt because this is not my forte. This, this yes. is not my expertise. Yeah. <laughs> if I imagine myself in the position of a lash artist, I would be paying super careful attention to what are kind of the categories of people and what drives them, what makes them have a great experience. And there are probably all sorts of subtle things like maybe lighting is big mm -hmm. for some people. I don't know, maybe mm -hmm. for a lash artist, they have to have like super bright lights. I don't know. But as far as from like a client perspective, maybe some clients prefer a more almost like massage type ambiance. Salt that has, lamps. You know, yeah. yeah. The soft music playing in the background, maybe some essential oils are, are being diffused in the room to create this nice scent. You know, maybe a running water fountain, you know, that, that type of mm. thing, like you would see in a, in, in, in a massage therapist's yeah. office. Yeah. Um, so it kind of creates the, this natural vibe and I'd be looking for those type of details and I'd be asking my clients, do you like this? Does this improve on the service? And you want to ask questions in such a way that creates the openness so that the client can actually tell you what they really think, yeah. as opposed to them just telling you what you want to hear. So you would probably want to phrase your questions in such a way like, 
you know, if you're trying to figure out, oh, do they appreciate the essential oils that are being diffused or whatever? You know, you can ask, oh, do you prefer to get your eyelashes done with the essential oils diffusing or without? And so it's very open mm-hmm. so that they can say their whatever. true opinion yeah. With, yeah, without offending you so that you can start to learn what really matters to them. Maybe when you get a new client, you ask them straight up, hey, do you prefer to have a conversation during your lash appointments or do you prefer to relax during your your lash appointments? Find that out and then write it down in your customer logs so that you never have to ask the question again, but you know exactly what that customer appreciates. Those are a couple of ideas that come to my mind. And then as you kind of develop and really kind of start to hone in on, okay, this is my way of making a special experience. And I've asked enough of my customers to know that, oh yeah, they like this. They appreciate this. You can ask questions about, you know, from all the other lash artists that you've been to, what do you really appreciate about the ones that go the extra mile? You know, you could ask a question like that to kind of get them to give you new ideas of things that you could apply. But once you've kind of worked that into your practice and you kind of know what makes you special and you know how to make your clients feel special, then you can start to lean into the storytelling, you know, as you're doing your Instagram stories and stuff, then you, instead of just focusing on, Hey, check out this beautiful lash job that I just did. You can start to lean into check out what I do for my clients to make it wonderful, make them feel special. And those are the types of details that, that will set you apart. You know, it's just like that barber shop that, Oh, great beard trim and a hair wash. Boom. I'm sold. You know, I'm in, if you can find those details, that's what will make the difference. It's kind of like doing just market research at this point. You're just learning what your customers love and then doubling and tripling down on those things that you find out that really stand out for you. So again, it goes back to understanding your audience and really getting to know them versus I think a lot of times for us, it's easy to get caught in. What do I want to say? What do I want to push? What do I want to get? What I get excited about? And you might be surprised. I know I have where everything that I'm excited about, no one else is it's, excited it about. It might not be what, what the client's <laughs> excited about. Yeah. The very thing you think you're most proud of in your business may be the thing that most people are not that excited. Like it's not a big selling point. You just got lucky maybe or something. So I think talking and interviewing almost all your clients is great. And I think that's a, a great tip. In this industry or in any type of services industry, because I'm in a services industry, uh-huh. right? I have clients who I'm taking care of. In service-based businesses, details are everything. When you can really pay attention to the small details and really tweak those details for your customer, they're going to notice. Oh, they love it. Yes. Yeah. No, that's so true for service, especially. Now for people with messaging, do you see any typical messaging problems that, or when you see certain things online, where it's a YouTube ad, or maybe you just flip through Instagram, you see people communicating, let's say trying to sell something, right? Is there anything would you see, or just, these are big no-nos like guys just don't do these two or three things. Cause it really is off-putting usually for an audience. Yeah, I'll share one, but I don't think what I'm about to share is a hard and fast rule, Mm -hmm. meaning that there are probably several examples where this rule wouldn't apply. Um, But I think in most cases it does apply. So let me give you an example of chat books. Chat books is another one of our really famous ads. Probably a lot of your listeners have seen it. it starts out with this mom looks like she's taking this, you know, relaxing bath, but then she's like, do you think I have time for a bath? And she stands up out of the water, fully clothed. And she's like, no, I fell in the tub when I was timing my son who was, you know, holding his breath. And then it goes into like how she's this, she's this mom who just lives this crazy life where everything's going nuts and she has no time and everything. And then ultimately it sells this product chat books, which are these photo books that are basically automated just as you're snapping photos and posting them on Instagram. 
every 60 photos, it prints off a photo book and sends it to you. And so it's like this, it gets rid of all this mom guilt around mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm supposed to be documenting my kids. You know, <laughs> I should so be my kids childhood. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, chat books prior to that campaign had a very, very curated brand. Like everything that you would see them post on Instagram was just a very like picture perfect, idealistic. They're kind of going for that aspirational look Uh, and feel. So as we started working on what the campaign would be, they were super nervous about bringing any humor into it because they're like, Mm -hmm. that's not us. Like we're very buttoned up. We're Mm -hmm. We're perfect. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're sentimental, all of those things. And so they didn't want us to like bring in like a, a squatty potty pooping unicorn yeah. and slap it on their brand, right? They wanted to stay true to their brand. So when we did that campaign, we were like, okay, maybe we won't use humor, but let's at least experiment with it because we might find ways that humor kind of adds to uh, the brand instead of taking away from it. So we we launched that campaign. It was wildly successful. The, the whole entire campaign paid for itself in like 48 hours or wow. something like that. That's it was incredible. Awesome. It blew up and went huge. But what we found was it fundamentally shifted the kind of style that underlied that brand. And they went from kind of like this very curated, aspirational look to almost this more realistic, let's embrace the craziness of being a mom and let's lean into kind of the reality of like, this is hard. This is crazy. We're all stressed out here and let's be okay with that. Let's embrace that. And so that started showing up in all of their Instagram posts and and everything as opposed to kind of like that, that super highly curated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so going back to lash artistry, I imagine there are probably a lot of artists who kind of are really trying hard for that super aspirational, super curated. They want every single photo to be like perfect lighting, get the filter just right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that's really tempting, but my hunch, this is my guess. I would say that nine times out of 10, if those artists actually leaned more into being real, they'd probably connect with their clients on a much more emotional level Hmm. than they ever could when they're being curated. And that emotional connection that happens with their clients is probably where the trust will get built so that, you know, the the clients are like, yeah, she's going to make me look beautiful, but I also trust her. And I know that when I show up, she's going to take care of me. She's going to make me feel comfortable. She's going to make me feel special. All of those things. And I would go right down to, you know, I would probably argue that a lash artist could probably even get away with being open about mistakes, mm-hmm. being open about, oh, you know, here's something that I learned. And because I learned this, here's what I'm doing about it. Mm-hmm. And just being much more real with their audience, I think that would probably go a long way. That is such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I hope that our audience just heard there is permission to do things differently. And it, what, you know, he is not saying it has to be perfect. And everybody tries to, we see it everywhere. It's that it's a aspirational, pressure to be perfect, to be, have this high fashion. Page. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. And I think that if we leaned into a little bit more of that authentic chaos or whatever you want to call it, because we're all struggling with it, that's what our real lives are like. What, your life is not perfect? I don't oh know. my goodness, right? <laughs> I think that it would do us some good. I think for us, that's one of the things that we've done. We've been pretty open book about our process over these last three years with our salon. We closed our salon a couple of years ago and it was 
it was pretty traumatic. And we actually went on and shared that story with people and people loved it. I mean, people really, I don't know if they just loved us to be miserable, but they loved seeing our struggle. And we shared the lessons learned and we learned and we shared a lot of stuff. And I thought it really connected with a lot of people and helped them. And not that everyone is closing their salons, but I do think this idea of, I love this idea of sharing how you learned something new with a process or how you improved your service because something went wrong in the salon or something like that. I think those type of things never get talked about, but I think audiences would love to connect. I know on Yelp, people always go to the bad reviews first and they always want to see the bad stories, right? They go to the reviews and what's great, I always tell owners, man, you write the most sweet, most kind, the best response back and people are going to come to your salon because of how you reacted to that bad situation. So I could see the same kind of principle applying to here. Yeah, let me give a, an actual example. My wife is part of a women's entrepreneur group. She uh, runs Get Out There Girl, which is this adventure group for women where she takes women, you know, canyoneering and, oh, wow. and backpacking and all, and all this really cool stuff. So yeah, you can look her up on Instagram. It's Get Out There Girl. But <laughs> anyway, she's part of this group and she went to kind of this group and there was a mentor there named Susan Peterson, who is the founder of Freshly Picked, which is this shoe company that has just gone huge for baby shoes. You know, but it, several years ago, like Steph and Aisha Curry had their kids in in freshly picked shoes, and you know, all the big celebs were putting their kids in yeah. in freshly picked shoes. It was like this really big deal, and and so Susan Peterson has developed you know a ton of experience in building businesses and all the marketing around them, and so she kind of the the mentor at this group where giving all these other women advice. One woman who had developing this product, she put her heart and soul into it and she ended up ordering a whole bunch of inventory, you know, spent thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars to get all this inventory. And when it showed up, she realized she had misspelled one of the words in the title of this product. And she was just devastated thousands or tens of thousands of, of dollars worth of product. And she's thinking it's all gone down the drain. Ruined. And Susan, the mentor, she was like, no, you get on Instagram and you tell your audience what happened here. Tell them that you screwed up. Go cry about it on Instagram. Let them know you're real. Let them know this matters to you. Let them know what happened and be real about it. And she did. And all the products sold out like that. Wow. Like it, it's, it, there's something about being real and just owning up to mistakes and letting your audience in on that process. And, and they're not going to judge you for it. They're going to love you for it. That's a great story. Oh, that's great. I love that. Because Instagram, I always say, is an envy machine for a lot of people. And I think the ones that are breaking out now, I saw some of the people we follow, is they are, I think, just really open and honest about their days. They're sharing behind the scenes, especially that's what stories are about. And I think people just need to stop this idea of creating that perfect wall. I, I just have fun. And I think that will be more fun too, by the way. <laughs> I just think this pressure of having to create this facade that doesn't exist has got to eat at you at some point and make you feel like a fake or that you don't belong. And this idea of just saying, let you go through your day and, and let people share it and connect with your audience. I think that's super encouraging for, and, and releases a lot of people from these chains. I think they've been caught with for like eight last eight years with their Instagram feeds. I know we're, we're, we're uh, probably should wrap up soon, but I did want to go through one more thing. I, know, I remember your presentation at TNC. You talked about, I think a lot of the pressure people see, they'll see your ads and they'll be like, oh my God, I need a billion dollars, a huge crew, all this stuff to be able to make an ad. And I remember you showing like, well, most of these companies didn't start with these big ad campaigns. They actually said a lot of this stuff you can just shoot on your phone. 
I also remember looking at one of your websites. I think it was your university, and you guys there talk about there like fifteen or seventeen type of ad types that people can approach. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe could you just share maybe a couple that you would be suggestions are simple type of ads that people can do or promotions that they can run on their Instagram feed or whatever, telling their story without having to go out and hire a crew and write all these scripts and all that. Maybe you're just really simple. Absolutely. So what you're referring to there, we developed a course called Easy Ads That Sell. And I can't remember the exact number. I think it's like 16 different ad types, most of which are super easy and super simple. Like we're talking, a lot of these are ads that you can just make in two hours sitting on your couch. It's not like you need a camera crew and all this stuff, but many of them have proven to be very, very effective. So a couple of examples, one would be taking testimonials that clients have left about you, you know, be it on Google or Yelp or wherever it's at. And then it's actually really easy to take those testimonials and create a video-based ad around those testimonials that you can run on Instagram, you can run on Facebook. And so for someone who has already kind of established, all right, I'm a great artist. I know how to deliver a great service. Now I just need to expand that out Mm -hmm. and get some more clients. Going into the ad space of saying, hey, ads are a great way to reach out and to grow my clientele. That's a great approach to take. So I can't remember our exact price on that course, but it is not expensive. I want to say it's like 199 bucks or something. Fantastic. And it takes you through how to make those ads and how to use those ads. And it's way more simple than people realize. So if anyone is interested in that, I think, I believe it's at harmanbrothersuniversity.com. I'm not super uh, fresh on the URL and the price and all that stuff. So I'm kind of guessing here, but pretty sure harmanbrothersuniversity.com, you'll find easy ads that sell very affordable course, great way to get started into growing your business through ads. Yeah. I wanted to point that out. I actually looked that up. I remember going, this is a great thing. I think for a lot of people in industry to go take, and like you said, super affordable and it's going to give you a lot of great tools. I think so that you don't have to be that you think you have to be like the Harmon brothers with a huge budget. And I think that's what I think would be really encouraging for people to go try it out. You're going to get a ton of ideas. And in fact, you'll probably have more ideas than you can ever come up with and actually shoot and I think that's what most people would like to have that problem versus like, I have no idea what to make. I think most people come with the empty slate syndrome where they just look at their thing and they and then look they at their phone. And they just don't do anything. And they don't do anything. So I, I think that's cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A few things. I know that you have a podcast. So I thought maybe you could share with people a little bit about where people can find you, your podcast and all that. Yeah, our podcast is called From Poop to Gold, <laughs> which of course is a, you know, it's a cheeky reference to our early work with poopery and squatty potty, which we've talked a lot about here, but it's also the theme of the podcast Mm -hmm. where every successful person has had to overcome some really poopy situations to essentially achieve the gold that is the success that everyone looks at and everyone envies and everyone wants to be and all of that stuff. But sometimes it's really refreshing to take those successful people and say, okay, well, let's go back in time and talk about those crappy situations because usually most entrepreneurs are somewhere in the middle of the crappy situations and said, let's go to those times and talk about them because that's what's really helpful to the entrepreneurs who are trying to work through it right now as we speak. Yeah, that's another podcast I love is how we built this with Guy Raz. And he goes through the same thing. Almost every story, it's like, man, no one just said, hi, I have an idea. And then they built their business and it all went great. It's like everyone goes to the edge, the precipice of death, 
and then they pull back and find a way or it inspires them to go another way. And I mean, I remember even your story you shared about with you dropping out of high school and then your father believed in you and mm-hmm. you went and became this really great mechanic and that you've, you wouldn't have gone that way if you weren't allowed to just drop out. And then some people's eyes probably, I'm sure, think that was a poop moment, right? Like, how could you do that? And yet here you are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that's cool. And then as far as finding you, do you have Instagram or any, or any way they can reach out to you or to your company? I personally am kind of a social media bum. Like LinkedIn is kind of my jam. <laughs> my wife is, is much more active than I am. But yeah, so if you want to follow me, LinkedIn is the place. If you want to follow my company, Harmon Brothers, we're active on all social platforms. So wherever you're at, you, you can find Harmon Brothers. And that way you can also see the fun ads that come out when they come out. Yeah. And get inspired, hopefully, because I think they really are encouraging. And it allows you to realize you can have a lot of fun with advertising. It doesn't have to be all straight, serious, and and boring, in my opinion, often. So, well, Benton, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you come on our show. I know that there's a lot of good stuff that our audience is going to get from this. So thank you for being so generous. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure, as always, to be with you today. And thank you for showing up and listening. All the way to the end, by the way. Very, very cool. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at The Last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my last genius, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Benton, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.